Welcome back to Seriously Funny. I'm your host, Mashnur Kabir, and Buddha asked me for advice. Last week, we talked about how to do research. Now, in order to make you question your life decisions, we're going to talk about the things that are harder to research. And by things, I mean thing, because it's really just one aspect of life. But before we begin today, and the reason I'm doing something at the beginning again is because I literally just saw this. I saw uh, an article that Moderna is starting testing for an HIV vaccine, an mRNA HIV vaccine or cure or, uh, you know, a way to fix HIV uh, on humans soon. And that's incredible. If you guys remember the episode that we had on the mRNA vaccines, uh, it's uh, I, I said, and I was very excited about where the technology was going to go and what the technology was going to be capable of. And this is an example of that. HIV is a sucky disease, and we have ways to somewhat deal with some aspects of it. But if we could figure it out with these mRNA vaccines, that would be another great step forward in science and in humanity using these mRNA vaccines. These mRNA vaccines, I said this word like 50 billion times already, but these things are so absolutely incredible, and we're so lucky that it panned out and the research was done over the past 50 years and that the COVID-19 vaccines went incredibly and awesomely. And we can continue to move forward to use them in more and more aspects of medicine and hopefully continue to have great results at a lower cost for both the consumer and the producer, in which case that's what we always, always love to see. But with that, now we can get on to the episode. Sorry, I just saw that really quickly this morning and I thought that it was incredible. For you scientific nerds out there, you might not like this, but the first topic in this episode is the three pieces that the universe is broken into or that we can break the universe into. And the first piece is pretty simple. This is the physical piece. This is what the majority of last week's episode was about. When you're doing research, it's generally going to be research on the physical plane. The reason is that we have the most research on this section and piece of life uh, in the universe. This is where physics is. This is where observable biology is. And this is the reality created by our brains through our senses. Uh, it's the observable cosmos. This is where the black holes are. This is where your body is. This is where you see stuff, touch stuff, smell stuff, hear stuff. And you get the point. This is reality. Yes. The second piece is a bit more complex. This is the mental piece. This is where your mind is. This is where human suffering comes from. I started reading Stillness is the Key by Ryan Holiday recently, and near the beginning of the book, he shares this quote, quote, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone, end quote, which was written by Blaise Pascal in 1654. Yes, 1654. That was a long time ago. I'm going to amend the statement a bit, though, uh, and say that, quote, all human suffering stems from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone, end quote. Although you can argue all human problems come from the inability because problems are only really problems if you perceive them as such. And yeah, but it's easier to argue that all human suffering comes from it. Uh, but yeah, the, the mind, the mental realm is only recently or has only been recently 
started being explored. And it's hard. A lot of stuff doesn't make sense. And although we can treat and learn a lot of things in the mind and the brain, uh, and we're using, you know, and we're using that brain to peek into the mind, because uh, the brain seems to be the physical vessel for the mind. Uh, and we all love our fake science psychology. But uh, one way that we can kind of use a thought thing uh, to you know, understand where our mind would be is if you think about if you just ask yourself, where is my mind? Like, if you think something, try to find in space, like around you, where those thoughts are, are those thoughts at the door? Are they at your feet? And then in the stomach? Are they in the wall? Are they in the ceiling? Are they in a tree? Where are the thoughts? And if you think about it, and you feel it out a bit, you see that most of your thoughts are kind of just like, around your head area. And that's kind of like a, a little bit of a way to uh, ascertain that the mind is near the brain and the head area. And that's kind of the, the source for our thoughts uh, and all that stuff. And the mental is still being looked at. There's research on it. And although we're learning about it, I'm curious to see how far we can go because there's a lot of things that seem like they have to be discovered and understood through contemplation and introspection, such as Blaise Pascal, you know, with that quote earlier, figuring out that the mind is the source of discomfort in people. Uh, and back in 1654, he probably wasn't writing a research paper or conducting research. Um, but the mind is the mind. You think here, you understand things here that are perceived through your senses. So the physical and the mental are definitely connected. Um, and the mind is, in my opinion, like your superpower. This thing has so much incredible uh, stuff packed into it. And you can do so much with it. You th like your ability to think here is incredible. Your ability to think is the reason that you know, we have phones, we have this laptop I'm recording on, this microphone I'm recording with, the thing that you're listening to, the headphones you might be wearing. It all comes from the mind, and the human mind is really interesting. And the, one of the reasons that I'm curious to see how far we can go is like, let's think about language. Language is something that the mind created. Human minds created language. We used our brains to make up language, and we use our brains to process language and understand language, learn language language, say language, speak language, whatever. And if the mind created language, how much language can we use to describe the thing that created it? Uh, it's really complicated. Yeah, but I'm curious, we're using words to study the thing that made words. And so I'm, I'm curious to see like, where the the line is, at what point can we not do anything? Uh, and the final piece, it'll go more into the final piece here, which is uh, the spiritual piece. Uh, this is where your soul is. This is the most controversial one. Uh, some people don't believe in a soul, and I can't make you believe in it. Uh, I can tell you why I believe in it, or at least I can try to tell you. But the fact that I can't prove this to you is the reason that this is the thing that this podcast is mostly about. The cognitive and most scientific quote, end quote reason, if you can even call it that, I have for like the existence of the soul is when you look at something, if you kind of feel it out, you realize that it doesn't seem like your body is looking with your eyes. Rather, it seems like you, the actual you is looking out through your eyes. It's like a, a telescope, like a submarine that you're looking out of. 
Also, if you focus, you can visualize the center of your palm, you know, the center of your back, the center of your forehead, you can feel the physical centers in different parts of your body. And I found that my body, my physical vessel, as it were, seemed to be more of a tool that I used to interact with the world than it actually being me, you're actually your actual truest self is your soul. I think if my soul was transplanted into a different body, that body would be me after that, right? If this one, the one I'm in right now, if my soul wasn't there, then it's kind of just a shell that exists that does nothing, you know what I'm saying? And so, uh, you know, I that's, uh, you know, your soul is your, your, that's you, like that's the actual you, like the body just, it doesn't seem like that's what makes you you. Even the mind doesn't seem like, I think the mind is a expression of you, but I think that's a different topic for a different day. That's not for here. Um, but the biggest reason that I have for believing in the soul uh, is that in one of my meditations, this was a few years ago, I was meditating in the middle of a small park. And in that meditation session, I hit what in Sanskrit is called Samadhi, uh, temporary enlightenment. That was an experience, and it'll lead us into our second point. Uh, I can't describe what that experience felt like. I could try to give some analogies saying it was warm, it was like being in space, it was being in total and complete peace and bliss. It was like the peak of an orgasm, but permanent. The moment right before post-nut clarity sets in. That's what it was like. I mean, I could do that, but even then, it's not accurate. It's not an effable experience. It's not just possible to describe it in words. Effable means able to be described with words. And that's what you can't research. You can't research something that literally cannot be described, something that cannot be transferred from one person to another. And you can try, but the left great teachings, Marcus Aurelius wrote meditations, there's great works of literature and writing in history, past and present. And they can describe the process they use to get closer to peace, or maybe get closer to enlightenment, which is a full understanding of the spiritual realm and the mental realm of your soul and your mind. It's a state of infinity of bliss of of peace. But the reason that everyone isn't enlightened, the reason that not everyone, even the people that dedicate their entire life to being enlightened can't do it, it needs to be learned over again by the person trying to attain it. Sure, I can find the words of the Buddha, the words and writings of spiritual leaders throughout history, and the spiritual leaders of today. But even then, the knowledge has to be understood all over again. We learn more and more in the fields of engineering, in biology, in physics, because the knowledge can be easily recorded and passed on. The findings of the last generation can be expanded upon by the future generation. In the work of the physical and some of the mental, but the spiritual, you can try to teach it, but you can't pass the understanding on to anyone. It's not something that you can do. Even Buddha, Buddha had many, many disciples back when he became enlightened. And even then, that doesn't mean all of his disciples became enlightened because it's not just something you can teach or pass on like that. It's not like this really genius math guy once created an equation called the quadratic formula. And now we can use that for literally everything in math, it seems like. But 
it, you know, it, it, with the mathematician, he can figure all that stuff out, write it down, boom, we got it. Now we can work on it. We can apply it. We can use it more. Newton gave us his three laws, wrote it down, did some experiments for us, wrote those down, and now we can use it. We can expand upon it. We can do more with it. We can do a bunch of stuff like he left it for us. But in terms of the spiritual realm and the soul, you know, we can try our best to say, you know, uh, meditate forehead, right? That's how you do it. But it's so much more complicated than just, I can tell you a lot of things. I can tell you detachment is great. I can tell you what to do to maybe become detached, but you won't truly understand it unless you do it. It's like, if someone tells you that a movie is bad, sure, maybe you know the movie's bad now, if you respect the person that told you or you generally have a similar taste in movies as the person that told you. However, you don't actually truly know if the movie is bad until you go watch the movie yourself. It's kind of like that. That's the best analogy that I've ever thought of in terms of that. And that's what you can't research the soul enlightenment the spiritual realm at least not through papers through books through lectures i implore you to read the books and the works involving the ideas because the reading may point you in a direction for your pursuit and furthering your spiritual understanding which we'll talk about in a minute but the last thing and the thing about enlightenment is a full connection between your mind body and soul is that your mind body and soul is already connected uh, Buddha talked about this too. There's all this meditation, all these practices, all these discipline practices and fasting. At the end of it, what's written is you didn't actually have to do any of that lull. <laughs> also written in Stillness is the Key, that book I mentioned earlier, there was a short story where a Zen monk asked a Zen master, how do I become enlightened? And the Zen master said to the monk, you are seeking for an ox while you are yourself on it. And there's this story I once heard on YouTube. It was, a, it was on a channel called Dare to Do Motivation. Uh, the video was the time when Buddha explained death. Uh, that's the title of it, if you want to go look it up. There was a woman, Kisa Gutami, whose son had died. And of course, she was pretty sad. But Buddha happened to be in the town at the time. And so the townspeople said to Kisa, take the child to the Buddha. May, he may be able to bring him back to life because he's this well-renowned spiritual leader. Uh, she went ahead and took the child to Buddha and he said, put the child in front of me, I will revive him, but you will have to fulfill one condition. Of course, she was prepared to give even her life for this. And so the Buddha said, it's a small condition. I want you to go into the town and bring me some mustard seeds. However, they must come from a house where no one has ever died uh, and this town was known for its mustard seeds, and it was actually the season for mustard seeds. So everyone had loads and loads of mustard seeds. And the woman in her mental state couldn't see the point, and so she went around every house in the village, and they all had mustard seeds, and they were all willing to give her the mustard seeds. But every single person that she described the condition to said, many people have died in this house. Our mustard seeds won't work, unfortunately. After knocking on every door in the village and getting the same response, she came back to the Buddha, and he asked, where are the mustard seeds? And she 
she fell onto her knees and said, I understand your message. Nothing actually changed. Everyone knows people die, sure. And all the woman did was knock on some doors. But the act of seeing that people die, the act, and every house had someone who died in it, it helped her understand this common piece of knowledge. And understanding is really a deep part in the spiritual practices. And I think I've recorded a podcast on that too. Um, and that leads us into our final topic. I'm a jerk, but I'm not going to tell you that there's something you can't do without telling you how you can actually do it. So enlightenment, understanding the spiritual realm. Yes, that doesn't make sense, but neither does the spiritual realm. It's like watching words bubble up like soda pop on six tabs of acid. With that said, don't do drugs, don't take psychedelics. It's not how you actually become enlightened. It's how you mess your brain up acting like you're a spiritual person. Real enlightenment, real spirituality comes from meditation and going through all those practices that you don't need to do. Earlier, I said that you didn't actually need to do anything in order to become enlightened. Uh, and that's technically true. In all honesty, everyone's enlightened. You just, you have a soul and a mind and a body, I think, probably, maybe. We're going to assume that you have those things. And unless you've spoken to the devil, taken too many drugs, or you're listening to this a thousand years in the future and have your consciousness digitized in the computer, you have those things, mind, body, and soul. Uh, now that, you know, we've determined you have those things. Enlightenment isn't something you can get, of course. You can't just buy enlightenment and find it in an effing bush, all right? It's something that's built into you. You already have everything you need to be enlightened. You just have to be enlightened. <laughs> uh, then why do those that want to be enlightened, why did the Buddha himself do all of these things if you didn't need to do it? Uh, and there's many ways to get to enlightenment. You can quite simply, you can literally, yeah, you can just think yourself to enlightenment. You can sit down and think about it and just become enlightened. It's possible. That's probably the hardest way. Uh, you can meditate and do yoga. That's another way. Uh, you can do the whole sitting on top of a mountain with a wet towel and somehow not get hypothermia or frostbite. Those people are insane. And if you're more insane, you could be like Dr. Strange and carry cinder blocks with your balls and not suffer. Uh, <laughs> we can't make pain go away. Pain is one of your senses as a human. You probably can't turn it off without a neurological issue. And there are some people that were born uh, who don't have the ability to feel pain. Unfortunately, those people don't live a very long uh, life uh, and end up injuring themselves a lot. Pain is something we're probably never grateful for. But trust me, it keeps you from getting more hurt. Anyways, we can't stop pain, but we can stop suffering. And that's part of why we do things such as sitting in silence for days, fasting for a long time, meditating. The mind wanders. The mind moves from point to point all the time. I almost just opened a Twitter tab while writing this script. So holding the mind in one place is hard and it's not fun. And it might be uncomfortable at times even, but we have to get used to it. And then understand it to a point where we don't suffer. And that's the key, understanding. The way that we find enlightenment, the way that we find peace, the way that we further ourselves spiritually is through contemplation and introspection. We sit down and we focus on something. We observe something, one thing. We 
might even observe our mind as it jumps from point to point. Remember, the soul and the mind are separate, so you can observe your mind. If you want to further yourself spiritually, heck, even mentally, you have to take a moment to breathe and think. Turn your focus of attention inwards. We're always putting our attention outwards, phone notifications, wanting to go look at dumb takes on Twitter, anxieties about our jobs, life problems, whatever it may be, in order to move forward mentally and spiritually, which actually makes it so you better handle the phone notifications, stupid Twitter takes, anxieties, etc. But in order to do that, you have to take a moment and put your attention inwards. The most effective way we know of doing this is through meditation. We take your focus and we direct it towards one point. That may be the breath, that may be your thoughts in zazen meditation, it may be the vibrations of chanting or bees breath, it may be the forceful exhalations of kapalbhati, it may be the tension and relaxation of yoga nidra, but we take your mind and we focus it on one point. And after a certain period of time of focusing on one point, your mind gets acclimatized to that point, and our goal is to reach a state of no mind, mindlessness. Unlike the common understanding of, quote, mindfulness, end quote, we actually want to do the exact opposite. The soul is past the mind. It's beyond the mind. It's past our physical instruments, and in order to reach it, we must let go of the mind. This takes a lot of time. It's not easy to meditate, but it's not that hard to sit down and meditate. Yes, that sentence was stupid, but take a second to think about it and it'll make sense, okay? You're dumb, not me. Don't call me dumb, all right? Now, there are <laughs> there are many other tasks you can do to further your spiritual awareness and understanding, but they all stem from the same idea, contemplation and introspection. And that can be on physical things. Remember, things are all connected. Buddha found that by observing his breath, when he inhaled, his chest and his body rose, and when he exhaled, his body fell. And looking at nature, he found that everything followed this pattern. Trees grew and they fell. Animals grew and they died. This is what I call creation and evolution. But this is a fact that Buddha found in nature after finding it in himself. That's why I made an episode talking about Newton's laws of life. Because his three laws of gravity could be applied not only just to physics, but also to the mind these things are connected, and the more you learn about one, the more you'll likely learn about another. You just have to use contemplation and introspection to translate the languages, physical, mental, spiritual, and traverse these different realms you're a part of. As for the other practices, we have and will continue to talk about them on this podcast as time goes on, so stay tuned and don't try too hard. Before we get on, or before we go on to the outro, I'll leave you with this. Buddha didn't become enlightened during meditation. Buddha spent, had spent many days fasting and meditating. After a while, his body was emaciated, and while he was meditating, trying ever so hard after talking to a multitude of spiritual leaders, he still wasn't enlightened. A young girl walking down the path spotted the Buddha, and she was eating a dessert called baish. In English, it's called rice pudding. It's a really good dessert, and it has a ton of calories. Seeing this man looking like he was literally going to die, the young girl asked the Buddha, Hey man, do you want some of this? The Buddha opened his eyes, and he's hungry, of course, and he's, he's tried so long 
to find enlightenment, but didn't feel any closer to cracking the nut. He threw his hands up and said, screw it, yeah, let me have some of that rice pudding, and he ate some. Again, there's a lot of calories, and when you're starving, your body wants those calories. The more calories it has, the better it'll be, and the Buddha thought, wow, this slaps. Holy crap, this is some good food, bro. You're telling me that in order to be enlightened, I can't eat this anymore? You know what, man? If being enlightened means getting rid of everything that tastes good and everything that feels good, fine. I give up. Whatever. I don't need enlightenment. And the moment he gave up, that's when he became enlightened. Don't try too hard. Live your life. Don't be attached to things. Don't even be attached to the idea of being detached. Move forward. And only you know what moving forward means for you. You do you, boo. Okay? That's all, though, for this episode of Seriously Funny. I finished the Fate series off after watching Lord L. Melo 2 or L. Meloy 2's Case Files. It's a mystery anime closely or loosely tying to the Fate series. I really like the mystery anime genre, solving cases using deduction, kind of like Sherlock. Heaven's Memo Pad was also really good. Hyoka, those are some good ones. Anyways, I then watched Osamake, the one where the childhood friend wins. I was a little bit disappointed at what they did in it, but the art style was awesome, so I liked it. But the plot was lackluster, to say the least. I've been reading the Classroom of the Elite Light novel again before school starts. Speaking of, when this episode comes out, I'll have finished my first week of school. Maybe we'll talk a bit about that next week. We'll see. I've also been re-watching Your Lie in April, which is fun. If you watch anime, you should know of it. And if you don't, I don't care what you're doing. Go watch Your Lie in April right now. Uh, I also finished watching Higa Hero uh, before recording this episode. Uh, Higa Hero, after being rejected, I shaved and took in a high school runaway. Uh, yes, it's a long title, but the art was really good. And the story was actually awesome. I liked it. It was really wholesome and nice. Um, but yeah, when school starts, I'll probably have to slow down a bit, uh, but definitely not stopping entirely. That's all, though, for this episode of Seriously Funny. Thank you for listening. Go give me a five star wherever you're listening from. Tell your friends you get the deal. I'll see you next week. Much love. Good luck. Peace.